what follows is a compilation episode of Victorian etiquette. Uh, during our study of the Victorian era, I spent several weeks uh, spending a few minutes of each class time explaining different rules of etiquette that were followed rather religiously during the Victorian era on both sides of the pond. Some of them are more humorous, some of them make a sigh and wish for uh, a return to older manners. So rather than leaving them scattered throughout all of the other different podcast recordings, I have compiled them here. Hope you enjoy them. So while um, we're, we're getting settled in here, uh, I keep promising some more Victorian etiquette lessons for everyone. So here are two, one for you young ladies and one for you young men. Um, young ladies should consider the introduction of one acquaintance to another as a matter of serious responsibility. When introducing a gentleman and a woman, the gentleman should always be introduced to the lady and never the other way around. And never unless you have asked the lady for her permission first. The lady so introduced should never offer her hand. That's, that's a, a gesture of familiarity. Okay, you, you would never, like the whole, like take the hand and kissing, like you would never do that to a man that you're meeting for the first time. Very immoral. And when the introduction involves two people of the same gender, the socially inferior acquaintance, the one from lower social standing, should always be introduced to the superior. Okay? So, that, that's another thing that I think let, uh, makes the Jane Austen world make a lot more sense. And then for you young men, when you are meeting an acquaintance, it is never acceptable to simply nod and touch your hat. Okay, so that whole thing that guys do now, that's very rude in the Victorian era. So if you ever time travel back to the Victorian era, don't do that. Politeness demands that a man should always lift his hat from his head, and when greeting a lady in the same manner, always lift your hat with the hand that is furthest away from her. Should you be on horseback, always dismount before talking to a lady who is on foot. It is not polite to force her to look up to converse. So if you think back to Pride and Prejudice, especially if you've watched the miniseries version, Bingley and Darcy ride up on horses. The girls are talking to Wickham. They've just met Wickham. And um, Bingley immediately starts talking to Jane from his horse. And that's actually rude. That shows how immature and impolite he can be. Whereas Darcy, his first move is to dismount because he's going to do the gentlemanly thing and he's going to talk to the girls at eye level. And of course, he stops when he sees Wickham and he goes on. So anyway, and then the whole like tipping your hat with your hand farthest away from the lady, I think that's... I don't know, is that just to, to make sure that there's no like accidental knocking of elbows or bonking somebody with their hat? But what if you're facing her? I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you have to turn sideways. But you know, there's, there's even some things like this that still trickle through to our, our own culture. My dad has always insisted that when walking along the road, he, he has always insisted that it's the gentleman's responsibility to be 
the, the person walking nearest the road so that if there was a problem, if there's trash thrown out, if there's splashed mud, it hits the gentleman and not the lady. Like, this is something that my dad, and like, even now, we will go walking in the neighborhood sometimes in the evening, and if I go to the road side of the sidewalk, he will stop and he'll just look at me. <laughs> can you just see my dad being sassy he can be sassy sometimes but it's a very quiet sass but he'll but, but see he's told me all my life that this is what a gentleman and lady do so I'm like oh yes sir and so I'll get on the tree or the yard side of the sidewalk and then we continue with our walk so it, it filters through in odd ways yes is chest bumping acceptable <laughs> in the Victorian era that might get you arrested I don't know <laughs> Yes, Mr. Earl. Uh, facing someone square on, like straight, without being slightly turned, I believe would have been considered too bold. Yes, too forward. Too forward. <laughs> yes. A slight turn, and then also practically so you don't whack Yeah, so you don't whack somebody. Also, if you're considering that you are um, usually a woman, if you're not married to each other, there would naturally typically be a third person in the conversation anyway so you're you're going to be arranged like triangular fashion anyway so probably this is this is what i'm guessing yes cameron so would that come back to say if you were to be facing someone head on that comes back to that viewpoint would that be considered arrogance person? yeah arrogant or just too forward it, it, it's like you know I, I, I don't know if, if, if this is like the new guy I'm being introduced to and I'm just like, oh, hi, like that's very forward. That would be almost now like somebody coming up and saying, hi, so I'm not dating anybody. Are you are you available? Like, it's, it's that body language signaling of just the, you know, hi, I'm here. Please, you know, take me into your life. Mm -hmm. forward, then it's almost like losing too much of yourself all at once on that first meeting. And that's just would have been offensive at the time. It's too many yeah. Yeah, well that's why they wrote books, to yeah. make sure that everybody studied. And most of these books that I found, like there are whole chapters like this is how you handle introductions, this is how you handle writing letters, this is how you handle Party invitations, if you're doing the inviting, here's how you handle party invitations if you are the guest. And, you know, just, like, one of the things that I ran across that I thought was interesting, because I have seen this played out in so many movies and just never thought about it, but, and it does, it says something about the characters, if you know what to look for, if it's what, it, what they call a period piece, which is a story set within an, an older time frame, like, Pride and Prejudice, or Little Women, or Oliver Twist, or whatever, and um, and the 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 etiquette rule was this: that when you stand to give a toast, even um, you know if if you're you know not not big on drinking or what have you, you know everybody gets a, a, a glass of wine or a partial glass of wine to do a toast, and the the rule book says that it's acceptable to take a sip. In the toast to someone's health or to the new marriage or whatever, but it is grossly impolite to just drain the glass all at once. 
And of course, if you go back and you watch some of these movies where it's like, oh, a toast to the king. And I, I saw this in the young Victoria. Now everybody's toasting the king for his birthday and everybody takes a polite sip. And then there's the one guy that just, he just like throws it back and it's like, oh, character just established. We, we know exactly what at least part of his problem is. And, and it's, it's funny how like those little things work through the story. And if you know what to look for, then it's like a red flag, you know, or would have been for the audiences of the time. Okay, while we're waiting on everybody else to come in, of course, I've got the next PowerPoint set up, but I haven't given you your Victorian etiquette lesson for today yet. So, um, to become better Victorian ladies and gentlemen, here is something else that needs to be in your little toolbox of being uh, prepared for polished society. So, young ladies, morning visits should be paid between 2 and 4 p.m. in the winter and 2 and 5 in the summer. A card should be presented. Visits of condolence should be paid within the week of the sad event and only by family and close friends. Acquaintances should simply leave a card with narrow mourning borders. In all cases, dogs and children should not be taken on such visits, but should be left at home. Okay, so that's if you're going to pay a social call on someone. And of course, Ms. Earl and, I, Earl and I were talking about this earlier. We said that even, like as many times as we've watched a Red Pride and Prejudice, like that takes the whole Miss Bingley calling on Jane and London thing in a whole other light. Because not only did she wait almost a month to go visit Jane to return the visit, but she went in the morning, she went before lunch, presumably hoping that either Jane would be indisposed, like not dressed or not awake yet, or that she would be gone because the appropriate time to return a call would be between two and four in the afternoon or in the summer between two and five because you have more daylight hours during then. Yes. Now I know my mom makes me write all those cards. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Thank you notes, handwritten thank you notes. It's almost an extinct, you know, common grace at this point. My mom maybe to I, every birthday present, every Christmas present, especially if it was blood family. I, and I couldn't just write, thank you for the socks. Love Angela. Like I had to write a letter. Like, even if it was in a card, like, I had to write, Dear Nana, I hope this finds you well. It was so good to see you during Christmas break. I hope that um, you got the, uh, the dishwasher fixed. I know how hard it is to wash everything by hand. Thank you so much for the, like, like that, that's when, you know, back in the day when you wrote thank you notes, like, that's what was expected. So, um, good for your mom. I mean, I know it annoys the heck out of you, but... I'm glad that some people are carrying over um, that common grace of thank you notes. Um, and then, of course, you know what they mean by presenting your card, right? That this is where we get, you know, it, we still have the phrase worked into our common jargon about calling cards. This was the card that you left whenever you called on somebody. So if you left your card, what was on your card? Your name, your name, and sometimes your address. And, and, and again, think before the days of telephones, 
answering machines, you know, voicemail, all of that. Like I would go to visit the Tackett household to call upon Jennifer Tackett, and she is not at home, but Mason um, receives me as his guest, and I only stay for a few minutes because the person that I came to see is not there, but I leave my card with Mason, and so that way, whenever his mother returns later in the evening, he can say, oh, three people came by to see you. I have no idea who these people are. The, the third lady, Miss Scott, she was really weird. But here are their cards, and he hands her the cards. And she's like, oh, well, then I need to return a social visit within the next week because I haven't caught up with them in so long. And so th that's what the card was for, was to leave that evidence of who came to call so that if the person who receives you has no idea who you are, then the person that you intended to see can see and know. And then uh, sometimes if it was a, a business calling card, it might be, here's my card and it would have your name and then the address of your shop. And then, you know, I would go later to the hat shop to see what, you know, whoever ha has in stock because they came by and like, oh, by the way. Um, but then, uh, interesting here is that it indicates that there's also the kind of card that you leave if you go to see a bereaved family. Like, you don't leave the card that has all the fancy embellishments. Like, that's too in your face. It's like, hey, I'm out living the high life while you're sad about this thing over here. Like, no, you have, you have to have cards for different occasions, apparently. So, now, Young men, here's your etiquette lesson for today. Always write notes of invitation. <laughs> yeah, here's, here's some more tips for you, Rhett, in, in your note writing. Always write notes of invitation or acceptance in the third person. For example, Mr. Smith has much pleasure in accepting Mr. Jones's polite invitation for Monday evening, June the 14th, etc. Never use paper of any color but white and never use sealing wax of any color but red. A proper salutation begins with sir or madam and ends with, I have the honor to be your very obedient servant. Which interestingly is how Darcy ends his letter to Elizabeth when he does the big explanation about Wickham and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so I expect all of your emails to me for the near future to end with, I have the honor to be your very obedient servant. Yeah. And everybody's like, Miss Scott, please. So, um, first of all, let me go ahead before I forget and give you your etiquette lesson for today. Young ladies, when you are crossing the street, a lady should raise her dress with the right hand a little about the ankle. To raise the dress with both hands is vulgar and can only be excused when the mud is very deep. So you've seen the, the, the pictures of the movies of the ladies and, and they, you know, they're going up the stairs or down the stairs or through uh, muddy or, or watery patches. And, and you just get the, the one hand that just sort of boop, and they, they walk and then, you know, as soon as they're on level dry ground, ground again, you know, they let go of the dress. And it was considered scandalous at the time to show your ankles. To anybody who's, yes, so all of you, well, I don't know, uh, Sayla has on boots today, but all of you girls, you are highly immoral, young ladies, for showing your ankles. Oh, you have on boots, you're okay. <laughs> I, I'm being very immoral, I'm showing my ankles. 
Um, but that was considered scandalous at the time. So um, that's why if you've ever uh, watched, um, and, and it's shown briefly in Gone with the Wind, but there, there's this party scene at the very beginning. Everybody's going to the party at, um, at 12 Oaks, and there are certain moments with the staircases where the ladies go up one staircase and the men, if, if there's another staircase, the men will go up the opposite staircase. Or if there's just one staircase, like the women go upstairs, but you never see the men go upstairs. And part of that is because the women were expected to take a nap in the heat of the day while the men were downstairs smoking cigars, drinking brandy and talking the coming war. Um, but sometimes you will see, especially in these antebellum homes, where there are these double staircases, but the women were supposed to go up one side and the men were supposed to go up the other. And part of the reasoning behind that was so that the, the women, because you had those big bouffant dresses with the hoop skirts, you know, you had to, that was a two-handed deal, to hike up the skirts enough so that you could walk upstairs without falling on your face. But then that would expose not only your ankles, but it might even expose more of the leg and so we can't have the men looking at that. So you have to use like a different, so, so that by the time you get to the top of the stairs, then everything's covered. Not, not, notwithstanding the fact that women's undergarments at the time were like more layered and of heavier cloth than what most external women's wear looks like now. Um, but anyway, so young ladies, only the right hand and both hands only if the mud is very deep. Young men. Um, when you are out on the street, a gentleman should not bow from a window to a lady on the street, though he may bow slightly from the street upon being recognized by a lady in a window. Such recognition should, however, generally be avoided as gossip is likely to attach undue importance to it when seen by others. So if you're a young man and you see a lady that you know crossing the street, you don't bow out of the window and if you're on the street and you see the lady in the window you might give a little like a little head nod but you don't do a formal bow because there are other people on the street and they're going to see this and they're going to go ooh la la and they're going to start <laughs> rumors about you that you don't want started even though we just had the etiquette lesson about whispering and gossip is like supposed to be strictly prohibited but people are what they are yes Kevin. so take away us gentlemen don't look into windows and don't look out of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it also makes me think of, I've been uh, re-listening. It's one of my favorite nonfiction books. It's on audiobook, and it's actually the book that made me start looking uh, or seeking out other nonfiction books because I, for the longest time, I was not a nonfiction reader at all. And it's called In a Sunburned Country, and it's um, a, a really rather humorous account of a guy exploring Australia in, in the, like the late 90s, early thousands. And um, anyway, he, he throws in all this great Australian history, but he was talking about one of the early, um, and he was one of the early settlers, but he was in charge of, I, I forget like what a province or city or what have you, um, but he had a rather lackluster career in Australia, but his real claim to fame apparently was when he finally got to go back home to England. The method in which he died was that he fell from a wheelchair 
to his death out of a second story window. <laughs> it's like, how, <laughs> how do you fall out of a wheelchair to your death through a window? But maybe that's why the no bowing through a window is because you might lose your balance and fall to your death. I mean, maybe that's just looking out for your well-being. <laughs> Hallmark will make a fortune off of that murder mystery. <laughs> what was that? Hallmark will make a fortune off of that murder mystery. <laughs> yeah, I know, really. Yeah, that's one of those. Every time I run across it, I think I really need to look up this guy. But, of course, the guy's life is otherwise so lackluster. Like, I cannot remember his name to save my life. Like, I have to go back to the book because nobody remembers this guy except that he died in a really interesting Way. Some of the times being like the gatekeeper to heaven would be really interesting. Like, yeah. How did you die? Um, I'm keeping a notebook. Make it good. I, you know, I, fell, I fell from a wheelchair out of a two-story window. Um, yeah. Can you explain the circumstances around that? Because I'm a little confused. Yeah. A little well, and I, I think that's why, you know, um, at, at least they used to, I'm sure it's still out there, that they have like the Darwin Awards, like people who removed themselves from the gene pool through particularly inane deaths. You know, it, it's like, how, why did you think this was a good idea? Yes, like... People are amazing. So anyway, let me throw out one more piece of etiquette that applies to both genders equally about train travel because everybody likes to tra uh, travel on steam locomotives and steam trains nowadays. Um, people with weak eyes should avoid reading on trains and those with weak lungs should avoid talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, and, and that is sort of hilarious, but if you think about it, why would they tell people with weak eyes and weak lungs to just sort of like not do these two things? If you think about it, it actually starts to make sense a little bit after a minute. I don't know, no air conditioning? Okay, so no air conditioning, so the windows are going to be down, and the train is being pulled by what kind of engine? Steam. steam locomotive, which means that they are shoveling either wood or coal into the furnace, and steam is powering it, but what's coming out of the smokestack? Does it mean asthma? Yeah, exactly. So it's like you've got this smoke coming out, and of course, with the backdraft, some of that smoke would naturally blow into the compartments, even the first-class compartments, so if you have weak eyes and you've got the smoke stinging your eyes, you're, you're, you're going to have like a natural eye strain trying to read if, if, you're, if your eyes are already in a bad way and then you've got smoke in your eyes. And then if you have asthma, if you have weak lungs, as they say, and there's smoke blowing into the compartment and you're trying to talk, like a quick way to have an asthma attack, okay? So that's one of those that... Like, it's ridiculous, but then when you think about the context of the time, it's like, oh, that one, that one actually kind of makes sense. Right. So, anyway, that's your etiquette lesson for today. Um, oh, I almost forgot. I need to give you your etiquette lesson for today. This one is not divided girls versus boys. This is for anybody... This is um, the, the rules of etiquette for meeting on the street in, in, a public, in public view. When carrying canes, umbrellas, and packages, care should be taken that they do not inconvenience others.
I can get behind that one. Actually, the first two or three on this one, it, they seem almost common sense. In meeting on a street crossing, gentlemen should make way for ladies and younger persons for older ones. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, when meeting on the sidewalk, should always pass to the right. So if you've ever wondered where we got in the habit of like even like squeezing through the aisles of Walmart, because it's not just you know here in america because you know like okay well we drive on the right hand side of the road they don't drive on the right hand side of the road in england but you still have this idea of when, when you're in a narrow pass you pass to the right as pedestrians where did that it was in the rule book so everybody in the victorian era had that drilled into them and it's just sort of carried forward into you know pedestrians pass on the right so even the green belt operates this way um Ladies and, um, oh, sorry. In the evening or where, whenever safety may require, a gentleman should give a lady his arm. Okay. A gentleman may take two ladies upon his arms, but under no circumstances should the lady take the arms of two gentlemen. That is very improper. But although, if you think about it, though, even that kind of makes sense because if we're recognizing the biblical role of the male to be the protector, then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm escorting the, these ladies to the door, you know, this girl and her mother, he's the protector, he's going to, you know, keep them close and make sure that they get safely to the carriage or the door of their house, what have you. But a girl trying to rope in two fellas, that just looks desperate. You know, that, that's just sort of tacky, you know, especially within this context. Do, 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 do. Oh, I like this one. Now, this, this is definitely Victorian-era um, sensibilities. A gentleman will assist a lady over from an omnibus or carriage without waiting for the formality of an introduction. So the carriage or the bus pulls up to the curb, and there's a woman who needs help getting out. You don't have to go through the form, oh, I need to be introduced before I can take this woman by the hand and let her, like, no, be polite, be safe, help the woman down from the carriage first, and then ask for a formal introduction later. Like, that's just in the in sense of practicality. <clears throat> no gentleman will smoke when, walk, when walking or, bleh, wow, English. No gentleman will smoke when walking with or standing in the presence of a lady standing in the street. So, guys, keep your smoking to yourself. No, you're, you're not supposed to exhale cigarette smoke or cigar smoke around ladies. None of you should be smoking anyway, so that's sort of a moot issue. No gentleman should stand on the street corner, steps of hotels or other public places, and make remarks about ladies passing by. Now, I know that doesn't apply to any of the young gentlemen in this room, but as a girl who has received cat calls and nasty comments from guys standing on street corners or like at the gas pump at the gas station, like that is something that all of us girls would love to see reinstated because the nastiness that some of these idiots out in the world will yell at us girls um, just because, I don't know, I'm, I'm breathing and standing upright and younger than their mother, I don't know. Like, it's really off-putting, and sometimes it's downright scary, depending on where you are and if it's getting dark. 
Um, that's the kind of thing that makes a girl feel unsafe. So I could really get behind that one being, you know, put back into circulation. And then a true lady will go quietly and unobtrusively about her business when on the street, never seeking to attract the attention of the opposite sex, at the same time recognizing acquaintances with a courteous bow and friends with pleasant words of greeting. So in other words, a true lady will do the errands that she set out to do. She will be gracious to everyone she meets and she will not flaunt herself in front of the opposite sex. So that's like the female version of the guy standing on the street corner going, hey, baby. You know, you know girls have like their own variation. The girls who are not worth your time, I should say, have their own variation on that. That is another one that I think should be back in circulation, should never have fallen out of circulation. So there's your Victorian etiquette lesson for today. Um, since we are wrapping up, up, wrapping up October, Dracula, the Victorian era, we are almost entirely out of the 1800s. Um, I am going to give you today your last lesson on Victorian etiquette. And this is for everybody. This is how you are to uh, uh, handle yourselves while you are shopping since we're coming up on the Christmas shopping season. Um, so, in visiting a store for the purpose of examining goods or making purchases, conduct yourself with courtesy and amiability. Never look over goods without any intention of buying them. That one I can get behind. As a potter who has done art shows, there's nothing more infuriating than having people come in to my booth and they're picking up things and they're handling the mugs and they're turning things over and they're commenting about the quality of the merchandise. And then after, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes of just handling all of the merchandise in my shop, they live without buying a thing. Not so much as a Christmas ornament. Very annoying for the shopkeeper. Um, never take a costly piece of goods nor any piece into a better light without first asking the clerk's permission to do so. Why would that be a rule? Why, why would they caution people to not, you know, say, oh, you know, I need to see this in a better light. Remember, this is before electricity, so it's, you know, lamps, candles, and indirect light from the store windows, and you just want to look at it in a better light. Why would you need to tell the shopkeeper before you do that. Yeah, to make sure that they know that you're not trying to shoplift, and even if they are still super suspicious, at least they know where to find you and where to give you the evil eye from across the room. So it's just plain courtesy that you don't just pick up something valuable and start walking toward the door with it, which if you're going to look at it in a better light, you would have to go to the front of the shop because of the windows, okay? Um, should you find another person examining a piece of goods, do not take hold of it, wait until it is laid down, and then make your examination. In other words, don't snatch something from another shopper. Oh, that's pretty, I want one of these. Don't do that. Um, to attempt to beat down or haggle the price of an article is rude. In the best conducted stores, the price of the goods is fixed and salesmen are not allowed to change it. If the price does not suit you, you are not obliged to buy, but can go elsewhere. Now, that one, there, there are some cultural differences there. If you grow up in Western society, you know, 
England, America, you know, other points in Europe, then that is absolutely true. But if you have traveled to places in South America, um, South America especially, haggling is just part of the culture. Africa is the same way. Uh, they give you, if you go up in, in, a, in a marketplace somewhere and um, ask for the price of something, chances are they will give you a ludicrously high price to begin with, and then you're supposed to haggle them down. Um, sort of like here, you can do that at flea markets, but as a general rule, at least in Western society, that's, that's obviously a thing. Um, and then this is, this is one I think there, or at least I've, I've met people around here that could learn a thing or two about this. Never express your opinion about an article. Another person is purchasing unless asked to do so. So I don't know if you've ever had the experience I have of being in a store and you know, you're, you're shopping, you're looking for something and then somebody goes, oh, that's so tacky. You're not really gonna buy that, are you? <laughs> Sorry, are you my mother? Like, I, I just, you know, people, it, it's one of the things about our day and age that we value ourselves on our honesty but then a lot of things that people say they're doing in the name of honesty is just plain rude. That's one of them. Um, and then, oh, also I can identify with this as someone who's been on the selling end of things. Um, it is rude to make unfavorable comparisons between the goods you are examining and those of another store. So. Oh, I like this. Have you seen the potter at the other end of the fair? Yeah, he has something like, but I like his colors so much. Y'all, don't do that. Don't, especially if it's at one of those artsy things, like you go to, and I know a lot of them have been canceled this year, bah humbug. Um, but yeah, if you go to like May Fest or like one of those fall arts festivals, like don't do that to the art vendors there. That they, you just might not make it to your car in the afternoon <laughs> because that is just so annoying, to put it mildly. And then um, another thing that I have seen around here that gets my goat, um, you should never ask or expect a clerk waiting upon a cus customer to leave that person and attend to you. Wait patiently for your turn. Yeah, no comment on that one. All righty. So, that, that wraps up our, our Victorian etiquette. That wraps it up for this episode. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.